Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Believers have God's promise that when we faithfully obey Him and don't give up, we will enjoy the very best returns. Let the Lord encourage your heart as Joe Vasek, pastor of Northeast Baptist Church of Danbury, Connecticut, urges us to stay the course. George Washington Carver was born into slavery in Missouri in the 1860s. George's father died before George was born, and his mother and sister were kidnapped when George was one week old, leaving George and his older brother James to be raised by their owners, Moses and Susan Carver. When slavery was abolished, the Carvers cared for George and James as if they were their own children. When George was about 10 years old, he was playing with a neighbor boy, and as they played, the boy said, Tomorrow we go to Sunday school. George had never heard of Sunday school before, but it sounded so good to him. He asked, What do you do in Sunday school? The boy said, We sing songs, we learn the Bible, and we pray. George couldn't go to Sunday school because black children weren't permitted. But as soon as his neighbor left that day, George climbed up into the loft of the barn and asked the Lord to come into his life. He had more to learn about the gospel, but he always pointed back to that day as the day he got saved. Susan Carver taught George how to read and write, and when she saw that he was a bright child, she encouraged him to pursue his education. Black children weren't allowed in the town's public school, but 10 miles away in Neosho, Missouri, there was a school for black children. So young George traveled to Neosho to attend school. He rented a room in Neosho from a kind lady named Mariah Watkins. She asked him his name, and he gave her his slave identity that he had used all his life, Carver's George. Miss Watkins shook her head and said, that name won't do. From now on, your name is George Carver. Years later, when George was living in Minneapolis, there was another George Carver in town, and they kept receiving each other's mail. To clear up the confusion, George took on the middle initial W. One day, someone asked George W. Carver if the W stood for Washington. George just shrugged and said, it works for me. From then on, he was known as George Washington Carver. As George attended school, Mariah Watkins would tell him, you must learn all you can, then go out into the world and give your learning back to the people. Those words stayed with George, and they fueled his desire to learn everything he could. In 1891, George Washington Carver studied agriculture at Iowa State University. He was the first black student in the school's history. When he graduated, he was hired to teach at Iowa State, and he was the school's first black faculty member. In 1896, Booker T. Washington hired George Washington Carver to head the agriculture department at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. He would teach there for the next 47 years, making discoveries that would help farmers be more productive, and teaching his students how to farm. He became one of the most prominent American scientists of the early 20th century. In 1921, George Washington Carver testified before Congress concerning the great potential to be found in the peanut. The congressmen were fascinated by his discoveries, and when he was finished, one representative asked him, Mr. Carver, how did you learn all these things? George Washington Carver patted his Bible and said, This book. The congressman said, Sir, the Bible teaches about the peanut? Mr. Carver said, No, sir. The Bible teaches me about the Creator, and the Creator teaches me about His creation. 
1924, a writer for the New York Times heard Mr. Carver speak about his faith in Christ, and he wrote an article titled, Men of Science Never Talk That Way, claiming that a man must either be a man of faith or a man of science, but he cannot be both. George Washington Carver strongly disagreed, insisting that his faith was the foundation of his science. He told a friend that he was not upset that the criticism was directed at him, but that it was directed at Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not interested in science or anything else that leaves God out of it. Mr. Carver wrote a letter in 1930 explaining his belief in both God and science. The singing birds, the buzzing bees, the opening flower, and the budding trees all have their marvelous creation story to tell each searcher for truth. From the frail little mushroom which seems to spring up in a night and perish ere the morning sun sinks to rest in the western horizon, to the giant redwoods of the Pacific Slope that have stood the storms for centuries. Nature in its varied forms are the little windows through which God permits me to commune with Him and to see much of His glory, majesty, and power by simply lifting the curtain and looking in. I love to think of nature as unlimited broadcasting stations through which God speaks to us every day, every hour, and every moment of our lives, if we will only tune in and remain so. I am more and more convinced as I search for truth that no ardent student of nature can behold the lilies of the field, or look under the hills, or study even the microscopic wonders of a stagnant pool of water, and honestly declare himself to be an infidel. George Washington Carver died in 1943 at 79 years of age. He's buried on the grounds of Tuskegee University, next to Booker T. Washington. On his grave marker, it says, he could have added fortune to fame, but caring for neither, he found happiness and honor in being helpful to the world. Christian, God has a unique purpose for you to fulfill with your life. Stay the course. We pray that today's program was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at staythecourse at nbcdanbury.org. God bless you.